Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Insisted on Improvement. I'm your host, Alan Muck, and tonight we have Kirk Wolf, that off-grid guy, joining us for round two. Hey, guys. How's it going? We're not just going to talk about solar. We're going to talk about all kinds of shit, so be prepared. So, yeah, yeah. So, I was telling you about my... It, it's So, being October, I... Uh, <laughs> Ed Gein. Ed Gein, you can, you can Google him. You can look him up. He... Uh, he wasn't a very nice guy. Isn't he what Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based off yes, of? Yes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based off of him, loosely, loosely based off of him, Leatherface, uh, Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter. Uh, all of those are direct descendants of, of, of inspirational stories based on his actions in life. So Ed Gein... <laughs> I mean, well, I let's see where I'll begin. So... Ed Gein lived in central Wisconsin. It was very well known. Uh, how this all started, how I came to know the story of Ed Gein and, and his connection towards, towards me, or at least sort of, uh, was I went to go see Texas Chainsaw Massacre back like in, uh, I don't know, it was like 2002, something like that when it first came back out. And, and it was in a town, and it was based in a town in Texas that I remember my mother talking about. So I called my mother and I'm like, Hey, didn't you spend time in here and tell me about the story of, uh, you know, that town and was that true or something? Of course, you know, I didn't think to Google it. I mean, you know, I just did it 20 years ago. And, uh, so <laughs> she goes, actually, Kirk, do you know how you're kind of connected to Ed Gein? And I'm like, no. She goes, well, you know, your grandmother knew him, right? And I'm like, what? And... She goes, oh, Kirk. She goes, I can't even tell the story. She goes, you got to hear it from your grandmother. Hang up with me right now. Call your grandmother and just ask her to tell you the story of Ed Gein. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, what the heck have I gotten myself into, right? So, so, uh, so I called my grandma. I said, hey, grandma, I got a question for you. I love my grandma to death. Like, oh, I just, I just do. I, you know, I mean, she's my grandma, you know. Mm -hmm. She goes, oh, honey, she goes, we, uh, we don't really talk about that. I'm like, okay, talk about what? Like, you got to tell me the story. Like, I begged her for about five minutes, just please tell me. She goes, okay. She goes, what can I tell you about Ed Gein? Of course, we know his history. We know he was, uh, you know, he butchered, butchered those women and, and uh, had a very you know, kind of harsh upbringing with his mother being very religious and uh, stuff like that. She goes, he was our neighbor. I'm like, okay. Is that going to be an issue? That, um, the air? Oh, I hear it a little bit. but I'll Okay, all right. And so I'm like, okay. She goes, but you have to remember this was back, you know, back in the 50s. And, you know, this was not... When, when we say neighbor, we meant, you know, he's miles because our homestead was miles long. And then there was, you know, company land of, of the paper mills. And then there's his tract of land that his family homesteaded. I'm like, okay. She goes, but, you know, he was very nice. He was very handy. He knew his way around the farm and the homestead. Um, your grandfather would have him over and they would work on cars or they would work on equipment together. You know, your grandfather would take firewood over, you know, kind of back and forth. It's okay. She goes, well, when this got found out that Ed Gein, you know, had butchered these, these, these women, you know, the town just kind of came together. Uh, and they're in Nakusa. Like, pitchforks? Like, well, so, so he got arrested and, and he was in jail. And, uh, apparently now you'll read on the internet that, that, uh, his house got, or Ed Gein's house got struck by lightning and was burned to the ground. And, and that was the end of it. Uh, after the towns kind of came together because they said, this is kind of a black eye for, for our town and we don't want that reputation to follow us. Mm -hmm. Over time, it has grown into a cult following of, you know, serial killers and, you know, their mentality and what they've gone through and, and uh, stuff like that. So the real story, my grandmother says, is the townspeople kind of got together. And she said there was about 30 of us out there, us out there. And they set that bitch ablaze. And they set that bitch ablaze. And she goes, 
not only did they set it ablaze, she goes, it wasn't they. It was your grandfather and the, and the acting sheriff at the time because they pulled out the evidence for the trial. And that's where the evidence came from. And she goes, I remember them. They loaded it into a wagon and, and, and took it out. Um, and she said, your grandfather then, because my grandfather is, is very, she, he, he had a very, uh, you know, colorful history with the sheriff's department, always being arrested, being drunk and just causing lots of problems. So they knew he was kind of this rough and tough character. So taking five gallons of gas and a match and lighting the bitch blaze was like just a thing. Like that was okay. Like, Hey, uh, it's your, your time, yeah. buddy. Step up. Yeah. Time to step up. Let's, let's make this happen. And he, she says, and your grandfather uh, asked if he could not destroy the barn where he hung the corpses, but if he could take it apart because it was made with one and a half inch oak plank wood that was, that was uh, you know, milled on, the, on their property. And the sheriff agreed. He said, that's fine, but it needs to be taken down like you need to do that. Now, you have to remember, my grandfather had a sixth grade education. He ran scrap his whole life. He built all of his stuff. He was very much the homestead DIY yeah. guy. He's like, I'll burn the house down, but that barn's worth something. But that barn wood I can use for later on in life. So yeah, Ed Gein, you know, dies in dies in prison. You can read on the internet that the house got mysteriously struck by lightning, which is not true. She goes, <laughs> five gallons of gas and a match. Like they lit it and boom, it was burning. She goes, they dozed it in, buried it, and that was it. Like that was the end of it. And sold off the tracks of land, and it's no longer like they tried to erase it from history is really what it boils down to. So fast forward, you know, 20 years, my grandfather saved everything, 20, 30 years, saved everything. He had just enough farmwood left over that when my mother announced her pregnancy with her first child, myself, in 1981, my grandfather decided to build a crib. And he used Ed Gein's barn wood to build my baby crib. Ooh, <laughs> I immediately, I'm like, I remember it. Like, I remember it being very, very heavy wood. I remember, you know, how it felt. I remember it was just, it was just wood. I mean, it wasn't anything creepy or weird. I didn't have any kind of visions or anything like that. Um, and I, 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 of course, I'm Grandma, like, what happened to that crib? She goes, oh, honey, we sold it in a garage sale when you got older. She goes, after your sister was born, we sold it. You weren't, well, your mom wasn't going to have any more kids, so we just took it to a garage sale and sold it's it. It's like if you knew any idea what that Oh, was. my gosh. I mean, of course, you couldn't prove the provenance behind it, but I mean, you I'm know, sure you could prove it. I don't know, but... There's so much scientific testing now. Yeah, I know, right? So I have, I have a picture. I have one picture. I have found one picture of it in my baby album that I have. Uh, my mother sent me and uh, oh man I was just like are you serious why would you let that why would you let my grandmother build that she goes Kirk we don't care about that stuff like that's not that doesn't follow that I'm like yeah but why chance it right. <laughs> and she goes yeah that's your story she goes uh, you know she goes if you ask around of course you know and Dean was very nice he was a he was a gentleman uh, it was yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. Uh, he was very handy. He kept to himself. He was quiet. Um, he was just an all-around, what you would consider a nice guy. And kept to himself. Didn't really say much. Didn't cause any trouble. And when it got out that he kind of was going down this, this path, and they found these ladies, and he was making belts and Nipple belts. Nipple belts and lamps and table legs and, oh man, it, uh, it turned I wonder what made him want to make furniture out of them. Uh, well, because you have to remember, he was a homesteader. He didn't have money. Yeah. He had to make his own things. And I guess, from what I've read in the history that I've, that I've been taught, you know, uh, firsthand by my grandmother, who's still alive, um, that... You know, she goes, you have to remember back then, I mean, you made, you made do with what you had. And again, you have to remember the, the, in central Wisconsin, upper central Wisconsin area, you have winter 
It's you, harsh. It's harsh. I mean, you go through, you know, they call it cabin fever, where you just start literally going crazy because you don't go outside. You will, you know, you're staying inside to stay warm, and you know, no television, no magazines, you know, nothing to distract the mind from, you know, from itself. I guess morbid thoughts for this guy. Yes, morbid. I mean, just terrible, unforgivable thoughts. Wasn't some of the bodies though like? he was getting them out of the cemetery or out of morgues or something or like he didn't actually like kill everyone did he uh that i don't know i don't remember a whole lot of that uh i i for me that wasn't something like oh i gotta learn everything about ed dean yeah we can look it up but uh i don't know um but he uh he was very good at taxidermy uh again you have to remember you know winters up there were anywhere between six and six and you know, seven and eight months long, uh, where there's snow on the ground. Yeah, he was a body snatcher. So, he was a, an American murderer and body snatcher. Many corpses from graves dug up and mutilated. Oh my. Yeah, see, I... I've kind of tried so, to forget a lot of that. So, he had two... Uh, well, Wikipedia says, two confirmed victims, Bernice Warden and Mary Hogan, were officially confirmed of people that he killed. But many of the corpses were from graves dug up and mutilated. Right. I guess he just got bored, I guess, and, and had horrible, horrible, morbid thoughts that... So Plainsfield, Wisconsin? Yeah, Plainsfield. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, she's like, yeah, I can take you to the old homestead. <laughs> My gosh, I don't know if I want to do that. And uh, Dude, it would be so dope. Oh man! So that was that's my that's my connection to it. I always try and tell that in in October, and uh, but it's it was. He's buried in the Plainfield Cemetery in an unmarked grave. Yeah, I actually own plots in Plainfield Cemetery. Wow. <laughs> it was my what family's. If you, what if you randomly got buried next to? I, yeah, I'm, I'm not there. gonna be. I don't want anything to do with with Wisconsin anymore. I. Uh, I don't know. I had enough cheese in your life. My home is here. I was I was born in Tulsa, and, and even though I was you know raised up north, I this is my home. I've always considered the South my home, Oklahoma, Arkansas area. Uh, that's always been that that is what's dear to me. Uh, I'm thankful for the experiences I've had up north. Mm, you know, of course, my family is my mom's family is from up there, but I have no desire to go back. My sister still lives up there, uh, but yeah, it's. Um, I actually won tickets one time uh, to a haunted house for telling that story, and uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, and um, I'd love to have the crib, or at least know where it's at, but, I mean, I don't know if I'd want it in my house. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you grew up in it and didn't have any problems. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's the thing, is it doesn't bother me, but, I mean, it, it belongs in a museum. It's it would really be crazy weird. to take the crib and repurpose Purpose the wood again. Right. Repurpose it into something else. Right. Keep so, it going. Keep it alive. Yeah. Well, and and I'm sure it's probably out there somewhere unless somebody just put it outside or ended up in a garage and they just, you know, got waterlogged and that was it. You know, I mean. What happened was, to the rest of the wood from the barn? So my grandfather would build things. Uh, he would build barn or not barns, but he would build structures on, on his property, uh, which have all been torn down now. Um, and, uh, you know, and... As far as I know, he used it. I, you know, that's a pretty good question. I've never really isolated that that one question of, of where is the rest of it. Um, but it, I, I guess I call him and ask him. I mean, he's still alive too. He's kind of losing it up there. But like, do you have any more of that wood around anywhere? Just, <laughs> just wondering. From seventy years ago. <laughs> it, I mean, it would be wild though. It would. It would. It's. Uh, I mean, if you were able to get pieces of it and splinter them down into small pieces, and then be able to like, you know, get your grandpa to go on record, like corroborating the story, and like people in the area, like all knowing it, you would legit have like a you know serial killer, not serial killer, he's only killed two people, but like a famous, you know, relic of that kind of right. Like, there's an entire following behind that stuff, like you were saying earlier. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's just not really something I've really pursued. I'm Although that like, stuff doesn't bother what if me. You could put but... that shit on eBay and make fucking thousand dollars off a splinter <laughs> of a piece of wood. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, you know, there it is. I mean, that's true. I mean, that is something. I maybe I need to call my grandma and see what's up. 
especially because like they could do like a test on whether or not the wood came from the ground, area, the right. ground that was next to you know that house and all the soil sample and then like it was hand hewn during that time frame because you can tell by the marks on the wood and then it's set for the entire time that you're saying it's set for Right. And then your grandpa's like, yeah, this is a story all behind it. And everybody's like, whoa, shit, like, that's legit. Yeah. And then you're like, that off-grid guy gear, handmade <laughs> items, and Gene Wood. And Gene Wood. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I guess I've never thought of it as a business opportunity, but, whoo, it was, uh, it certainly, it certainly made me think. And, and you know, it's interesting because it, it makes you really wonder, like, there's a lot of history that is lost to just time you know uh you know i'm a big fan of and i'm and i'm kind of making a big circle but like when you when you print out a picture you know you write on the back you know which i know printed pictures are now falling to the wayside but growing up i always wondered you know we'd come across these albums and you'd see pictures and there's no description whatsoever or you get and, these pictures where there's like the cursive on the back is so immaculate that you're like i can't read that shit right like it's just written in, a, it's almost written in another language. And, uh, you know, and, and it'd be so neat to, to know what they were going through, like the thoughts of why was this picture taken? Because it was obviously important to that person for, you know, a split second in time. But all of that history is lost. And, and, and especially when someone passes, I mean, there's, there's things now when I, you know, my dad passed away in 2015 that whenever uh, I, I got his albums, there's pictures of people in there. I have no clue who they are, and there's no one to answer who that person is. Like I don't know who they are, and uh, I don't know. It's just does Google have a like a reverse image search thing? I uh, be that's oh. news to me. I don't know. I want to say they might. Like you might be able to scan the picture mm -hmm. onto your computer, and then try to find uh, like almost like a facial recognition of it, and then if it shows up like. You know, 1930 yearbook of so and so and so and so. You like know who the name is, and you try to follow it down through there. That's cool. Yeah, like and that's time. Ancestry.com or something. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. But it would be sweet. Yeah. Make me think about that. Would be like sit down with you know your loved ones before they pass away. Right. And get the stories of the the pictures, and then like almost like be your own stenographer and just take notes. So that way, like whenever the they have the picture, you could you know, have an entire story behind it. So that way before you die, you have this whole story of what you were given or even record the story of right. whoever it was that was telling you the story about that person in that picture. Well, I, you know, and I certainly think that, you know, even the, the most mundane, every, everyday items in, in this world, you know, there, there's a meaning behind some of it. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of neat. I don't know. I, I just kind of go on those thought patterns of, man, like, you know, so what if you made a digital picture frame that was powered by like solar, like take a calculator apart where it's got like the little solar thing in the calculator. So that way their own like lights inside their house will get it going or whatever. Right, right. And you power a digital picture frame that whenever they press a button, it plays the recording that goes along with the picture that's on the screen, but it doesn't normally play the recording. Like, so like it just, it, it, it was just cycling through the pictures. Right. But then you could have the recording of whoever it was that you spoke with about the photo. So instead of like, it'd be like the, the newer, most modern version of the handwritten on the back of an old photo. Right. The fireside chats of, of back in the day, you know, the Roosevelt times. And, yeah. and uh, I think that was Roosevelt, wasn't it? The fireside chats? I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, you know, it's, it's that. It's the, it's the storytelling. And I, I, I'm a firm believer in, in storytelling, and I, and I forget a lot of the details, uh, you know, over time. Um, and, you know, you, or even things in my lifetime where my friends are like, hey, man, you remember when we did this? And I'm like, yeah, I have no memory of that whatsoever. And then the more they tell the story, it kind of sparks that, oh, yeah, I remember. I can't be the only one out there that does that. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I do remember. And then it just, it, my mind floods with all of these other memories of, oh, yeah, this is this and that and that and this, you know. And, um, and, and I really feel that that's important to be passed on. I mean, of course, now we have the social media, you know, and you can, you know, go through and look at everybody's lives and meals and what they ate on a certain day and their cat here. And, you know, they're, you know, I built this object when... But I really feel to keep it close, we pass on those stories, 
you know, uh, to our to our younger generation. And I really think that that's a good idea. Like, take the photo and and uh, for me myself, I have started a uh, a video log that is not meant for social media. It's meant for my children, mm-hmm. and I have them in it, and 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 I just really just talk for about twenty minutes at a time, and I save them on an SD card, and then I just put it in a drawer and they can go through and just listen to me talk about my day. And, and, you know, again, we're not, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I try and, you know, give a little bit of what I think they might be dealing with in the future and advice on how to handle that kind of in a roundabout way from 20 years in the past, you know, cause yeah. they won't listen to it for 20 years, you know, but you know, if I'm not around then great. You know, they have that to fall back on too, and 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 uh, and if I am, even better. You know, because I'd like to be able to teach them. But I, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm weird, but I. No, I dig it. <laughs> I thought about doing um, like making your own paper, and mm-hmm. then going from making your own paper to making your own books. Like people make those, like they, but they'll be blank, right? Right, right. Well, why not use like almost like a calligraphy style, like penmanship, like really nice handwritten books. That are like leather bound and it's like people would order it and you'd say i want to read the iliad mm-hmm. and i just write the iliad for you all over again Oof. like brand new leather bound book you know and you're paying for the hour the time and the cost right, right. materials but you would be able to start building this old school library <clears throat> that just has this epic nostalgia to it there you go man that's a i think that's a that's certainly a there's people out there that would buy that probably the only thing I worry about is the like the plagiarizing aspect or like copyright Ooh, yeah, laws. But yeah, I, yeah. I wonder if it's almost like music. Whenever music's past a certain point, anybody can sample from it and use it and make a new track using old music. It's not copyright infringement anymore. Oh. So I wonder if media of all types is like that, or if I don't know. I have to look into it. But so that way, like if it's an old enough book, like some classic. Yeah. You're able to rewrite it, republish it, and no one can complain. Well, I give it a try, or have someone out there try it, or you know, comment on it. Yeah. You know, hey, I've done this, or hey, this is what this rule is. I don't know. I, you know, that's of course that's out of my wheelhouse. I, I, uh, as of late, I've just been trying to focus on solar. Yeah. Uh, not trying. I have been focusing on solar, growing that. Um, I've had, you know, some some great success. Uh, seeing some great. You know, I get invited. I got invited out to, uh, and I, you know, of course, I can't disclose where it's at, but uh, within a 50-mile radius of where we are now, uh, here in Fayetteville, uh, I got invited out to a guy's house. It was literally like being transported back, you know, 50 years. You know, you pass by this small, you know, gas station in town that is also the restaurant, the hardware store, and the laundromat, all in one, all under one roof, and it looks old, like it is old. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't even know this was out here. And, you know, I roll up on his property, you know, it's, <clears throat> you know, you go out, you know, and it's two miles down this dirt road. And it was a dirt road to the point where, you know, the foliage, foliage on each side, the growth on each side of the road was uh, scraping my truck because I was going down his quote unquote driveway. And, and it was fantastic. It was great. I, I was just beside myself, just in, in amazement. And uh, he lived up on, on top of this mountain, and he had an open view. And he invited me to stay out there, and, and a couple of my other friends were that have known this guy and, and his family longer. He's like, dude, you got invited to this guy's house? I'm like, yeah. He goes, do you know how much of that is a big deal? I'm like, no, not really. And he goes, that is a massive, like, that's a massive achievement. He doesn't invite anyone out to his property. And I'm like, so then they ask, like, what are you doing out there? I'm like, well, he just wanted some advice on how to hook up, you know, this, that, and the other as far as the equipment on solar. And he's like, oh, man, I am so jealous. And he just kind of went into this tirade of, of jealousy. And it, it, it was just like, that's cool. And so I went out there with that impression and I told the guy, I said, you know, you have to understand I'm out here and you know, I, you know, I, I will not disclose where we're at, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I have an NDA form and 
and I greatly appreciate you inviting me out because I've been told apparently it's a big deal. He goes, yeah, it's a big deal. I don't invite anybody out. He goes, in fact, you're kind of the first. <laughs> he goes, but I, I was looking at you online and I was kind of doing some background search on you and just kind of looking and he goes, I know you're the legit thing. He goes, I know you know what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know about that. He goes, don't downplay it. He goes, I know that you know. I'm like, well, yeah. And, and that's all we said. And then we walked around and he showed me his, you know, his pigs and his chickens and, you know, and, and, and his house that he built. And, uh, and it was amazing. And, and, you know, it's this two story cabin and it's just gorgeous. And, uh, you know, he was having some voltage issues and I explained to him, you know, you do this, that, and the other, and, and it should fix it. And if you want me to come out and hire me to come out, I'll be more than happy to do so. And I said, but I, or I will just show you how to do it. And if you're brave enough to do it, which it obviously appears that you are, you know, if you have any questions, give me a call. And, uh, yeah, so we stood out there. We, we, I spent two hours out there and he's like, yeah, man, why don't you come back, you know, at this time. And you know, I told him, I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, why don't I invite you and your family out to my cabin? I'll show you where I live and, and how my setup is. And so we have, we have yet to do that, but. I meet people like that, and and it's not so much that you know it's a tree hugging hippie version. It's literally just people who don't don't need you know in town society. They don't want to be around other people. They literally just want to be out and away. And and I completely understand that mentality, and it's fantastic. And um, you know, and then you have the flip side of that. I got invited out to uh, uh, Hawksbill Craig. Nice. So, you know where that's at. Yeah. Okay, what are your point? Uh, this guy has a cabin, and if you haven't been out there in the last, I don't know, have you been, when's the last time you've been out there? Ooh. Okay, years. There is now a cabin a mile and a half from, what are your point, Hawksville Craig. Like, the trail leading to that point is 20 feet from his property. And then you walk down the trail a mile and a half and you're to that point. And he's a doctor. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, wow, man, this is great. Not necessarily my setup. He's got it because, the, I mean, you could throw a rock and hit the cabin from the road, from the public road. You know, I prefer more privacy. But I said, what are you going to do with this? And he goes, well, he goes, I need power because I'm going to Airbnb it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is amazing like that yeah it's gonna be a lot of money yeah and i'm like dude you're sitting on a gold mine and uh he goes yeah i know he goes i don't ever plan on living here but this is what i want and he goes and i don't have access to line power and i need you to set it up and he goes i've been calling around and everybody is pointing to you and i'm like so who's everybody and he kind of named off a couple people i'm like oh yeah i know them i know them and then there are a couple people but i have no clue who they are he goes and then i googled you and then I looked you up on Facebook, he goes, and you're the type of person that obviously I need. So you're that off-grid guy. I'm that off-grid guy, yeah. And uh, so, Who you know. Who are you going to call? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I don't, I don't claim to know everything. I certainly, you know, strive to, to, to be the best in my field. But there are times where people bring up issues and I'm like, uh, yeah, that's... That's beyond my knowledge, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to be frightened or scared away about it. It's like, like give me a week and I'll call you back. Yeah, like give me a minute and I'll I'll, I'll find you a solution, and uh, and 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 we have and um, you know I'm putting together a bid right now that that's budget friendly. Just because he's a doctor doesn't mean I start adding zeros and commas. It's not that. That's not what I'm after. Again, like what we spoke in the last podcast. Uh, which again, I, I greatly appreciate you having me back out again. I, I really, I was kind of checking you out too. This is not exactly a small podcast. Yeah. You have a wonderful following. Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's just kind of feeds on itself. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I don't claim to know everything, but I just try and be real with people. And I'm not here to, you know, steal your money. I'm not here to kind of swindle you out of so much cash. I'm after that smile. I'm after that good job. 
I'm after that that excitement when they flip the switch and and it comes on and it's just like oh man that is if I could bottle that feeling I'd I'd make more money than than anyone in this world it's a it's a great feeling and at least it is for me so do you think that by helping people with their solar it also improves their quality of life by reducing their stress about their bills like you were talking about some last time I do um, you know I think we've gotten gotten off track with with who with who we are uh, as, as humans, uh, and not to go too deep into the, you know, the whole, you know, mentality of that, but I, I certainly feel that there's a connection that's been lost uh, to to our surroundings, to nature, you know, whatever you want to call it, our world. Uh, I think there's this this ideology of if I can make so much money, you know, I'm hedging the bet that I'll be able to afford a better life later in my life, and and I just took a step back going, man, I, you know, I, I am not rich by any means. Why do I need to wait 30 years to be happy? I don't want to do that. I want to be happy today. And the things that supposedly make people happy, like they literally throw it away after a couple of years. You know, after they get done, then they'll go down and, you know, buy these, these, these wonderfully expensive items whatever that may be and for that moment in time yes they are happy but it starts losing its joy and i and i i think that's with you know the consumer mentality that we've kind of not i, I don't want to say all of us because i don't want to have that generalization yeah but absolute suck yeah you know but i i feel that there's a there's you know a lot of people who have fallen into this consumer mentality of if I have this, this will make me happy. But do you think it's that they think that the thing's going to make them happier? It's going to make them happy that other people like them because they have that thing? I, I think it's a commonality of both, or a combination of both. Uh, because I, I think there's the keeping up with the Joneses mentality. Like, ooh, look what I have, this show-off mm -hmm. mentality. You know, I've made it because I have this item. And, you know, that starts to kind of feed on itself. You know, it starts off small. It's, you know, the kid with the new bike at Christmas. You know, you get to show your friends. And those are all great, wonderful feelings. I'm not saying don't do that. What I'm saying is it's almost kind of addicting. And it turns into this, I've got to spend so much money. I've got to buy so many items because I need that, I need that dopamine pickup. Right, you know, the endorphin the endorphin release, this, oh, you know, and kind of big circle, you know, that, that feeds on with, oh, I'm going to buy this new coffee maker, but it runs on electricity. You know, oh, I have all these new shiny items in my house, and they all use electricity. Uh, you know, there was a, there was, you know, down at the restore, okay, there was an item that came in today that... It was a toilet that you plugged in. Like you literally plugged in your toilet so it could function. Now, that's a, you know, 1994 gimmick, okay, or whatever year it came out. And I got to looking at this thing, and it was, it was engineered beautifully. It was like, wow, it had a remote control that you could press, and the toilet seat would raise. It would lower. It would self-clean itself. It had a bidet option. Uh, it had a heated toilet seat. Dude, have you seen the toilets they're making in Japan right now, though? No. Bro, they've got like ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 toilets that are like, take that shit right there to the next level. <laughs> and, and, you know, of course I had to sit around with the guys and I'm like, really, why do you need a toilet that plugs in? What if the power goes out? <laughs> what then? Your toilet, like, the thing didn't function. They would hold that shit in and get kidney stones, that's for sure. Oh, man. And, and I had to laugh. It's like, have we gotten that far? Like, really, do we need a toilet that you plug into the wall as a society? And, and it was just like, wow. It, it, you know, and, and maybe some people do. Maybe, maybe that's, you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not, you know, you know dissing the, the, uh, the idea of, you know, consumer mentality. It's just not for me or the people I deal with. And, and what I find is there's a certain 
there is a certain uh, uh, connection that all of these people have. They'll tell me, you know, yeah, I had this or I had that and I had all of these items and I, I didn't really care at the end of the day. I just needed it. I, I needed to get back to my roots and, you know, you'll find that of people that are going solar, it's not this hippie mentality. It's not the, you know, tree hugging mentality anymore. It's literally just people trying to reduce their bills going out and ha and still having the security of, I can turn on the light switch anytime, night or day, regardless of what's going on out in the world. And I have power because of my battery bank backup. And it's not just light switches. It's, you know, washing machines and refrigerators and, and you know, computers and Xboxes and, you know, there's still a, there's still a, hey, I've got these cool items. They're just running off solar now, and I don't have to pay out that electricity bill. Uh, I had a guy contacted, contact me the other, um, I think, I think it was yesterday, last night, or early this morning. I don't quite remember now. Um, and he said he, his family uses, uh, on average, 100 kilowatts a day. When the average, you know, uh, American household uses 900 to 1,000 kilowatts per month. I was like, oh my gosh, dude, like you are using, that's a lot. And I told him, I said, and he, of course, he wanted to explain, have me explain how to reduce his carbon footprint and, and reduce his bill and electricity usage online. And I told him, I said, no, I said, give me a call tonight uh, because we're going to talk because there's something else going on here, you know. Either he's got 20 kids living in that house. Or Everybody's leaving the light on. Yeah. The washing machine's going 24-7. Everything. I, I, you know, I, it's like, wow, you know, I, I can't fix your problem, you know, just by discussing it online. Like, we need to have a physical chat. Like, we need to talk and get to know one another a little bit because I need to know what's going on uh, to be able to even put together, you know, map the situation and, and come up with a solution that would best fit him and his budget. And, um, you know, and, and again, you know, the big circle of, of this thing of, you know, I'm, I'm literally just trying to get out there and help people. And there's so many, if you Google solar and off grid, there's so many different variations. There's like 43 million websites that pop up whenever you type in just those, those, you know, those, those, uh, sight words. Um, and and, and all of those websites say something different. They're not, not two of them will say exactly the same. And I'm literally just trying to filter through all of that and just come down to a base. Like, this is where we need to start. Let's build a foundation here. And where it goes from there, it will just, it will just keep spreading. And, and again, that's how I try and run that off-grid guy is, you know, look, I, I will help you. And you can hire me to come out and... and, and you know, set you up, but I want to do more than that. I want to teach you how to run it yourself um, because I'm a very big fan of independence. And even if that means independence from me, because I don't want you to call me every time you have a problem. You certainly can. I want you to have that, that certain, you know, mentality of, I know how to fix it because that off-grid guy taught me how to do you know, X, Y, Z in this scenario or, you know, or upgrade it, you know, not even, not even a fix, just an upgrade, you know, how to operate, how to work on this, how to, how to manipulate it to do, to do this, that, or the other. And those are, those are the, those are the things that I try and teach my customers. And I'll ask them up front. I have one guy, he doesn't, he doesn't care. He's like, no, I just, I, I want to be hands off. I don't really care. I'll call you. I'll pay your travel fee. You know, you can come out anytime. You know, if I have a, if I have a, you know, an issue in an upgrade, you know, just send me the bill, you know, and then I have other people where they're like, no, I, you know, they're right there helping me install at the same time that I'm installing. And, you know, and I certainly tell them, you know, Hey, you know, let's do this. I'll teach you how to do this, you know, and, and, and I, and I want them to, I, I like that. Um, because again, you know, I don't, I'm not guaranteed to live forever, you know, if I can't pass on my knowledge, you know, I don't have proprietary rights to it. I just, this is what I know. You know, you can hire, you know, some company and they're going to charge you out the butt for, you know, their knowledge, you know, but they're not going to teach you everything because right. they want you to call them again because that's how they stay in business. Me, I view it differently. I view it as, 
you know, I'm going to teach you and you're going to teach five people. And, you know, maybe one of those five people are going to then call me and there again, I get business and then I'm going to teach them and they're going to teach five people, you know, and I'm okay with the other four not calling me, you know, that's okay because I want this to spread, you know, and I want it to go out and, 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 and I think the more people at least if they're not 100% off creative, if they're supplementing, it kind of releases that, that pressure of, I have to make so much money to pay this bill. You know, I don't have to rob Peter to pay Paul just to keep the lights on. You know, no, my lights are on all the time. You know, it takes that one little slice of our life out of the equation. We don't have to worry about that because I know for a fact that my lights are going to be on when I get home regardless of life, you know, and it, and it kind of reduces that stress. And, and I really feel that, that by reducing stress in one's life, we'll have a better quality life. And I can't say that getting rid of your electricity bill is going to reduce your stress 100%, but you know what? It's a start. Definitely. And, and I'm just doing what I know to try and help people. I, I That's all I want. I just want to help people. So I'm just making a business out of it. And, yeah. uh, and I enjoy it. it. It is something that I am very passionate about. And anyways, that's... How have you improved as a like solar mechanic or whatever technician from the time you started to where you are now? Like what was your first solar and what's your greatest solar? Oh man, so uh, my first, the first job I went on, I was... I was scared to the point where I didn't sleep the night before. I was tossing and turning. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I can't believe I'm doing this. But then I kind of had to go back to my jujitsu days when I first started jujitsu. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to go out there and try and choke the other guy. Of course, I get choked out myself, you <laughs> that's know? That's all I fucking do, man. Yeah, that's it. But you have to start somewhere. Um, and... And I, and, I, and I just had to remind myself, look, it's just like anything else. Yeah, you're going to have, and, and that's the other thing, follow the butterflies. And I'm a very big, firm believer in that. And what that means is when you get those butterflies in your stomach, like, oh, my gosh, I don't, I don't know. That's the direction you need to go. Because once you get there, that's like, oh, man, that's a growing experience. Don't shy away from the butterflies in your stomach. That's a growing experience of, Yes, that's that's it right there. There, you, you just know your body will tell you that's the direction. Go. And so I'm laying in bed that night, the night before I did my first install, and I'm like going over in my head, oh man, I, I don't know, do I have my math right? Do I have my numbers right? Do I have the right equipment? Do I have everything in the you know in my travel trailer? Do I have all of my tools? Do I you know and I and I finally just had to like, ooh, wait a minute here. You're 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 all right. Everything's gonna be okay. Even if you mess this up. You can come back and fix it. Like, you you have that knowledge. And I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, I guess that's true. And I just went to bed. I woke up. We did the install. Uh, and I did run into a couple of problems. But it wasn't anything that I couldn't fix. It was just like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. I didn't foresee that. But this is the solution to this problem. And now, uh, I, you know, I know the viewer, the listeners can't see it, but my look, my... my uh, my phone's lighting up and it's my next install and I have zero butterflies like about uh, about the install. I, I'm excited. I'm very excited. I'm very passionate. I'm getting butterflies about going and visiting, you know, this guy. I've never met this guy. I've never talked to him personally on the phone. We've never spoken words together. All we do is text and he has hired me via text because of what he has seen on Facebook. And he's like, he's sending me now. He, in fact, he sent me a text that says, uh, uh, got a check in the mail. And uh, he's sending me a check. And he's asking me if there's anything that I can fit uh, in a four-wheeler. Like, is there anything that I can't fit in a four-wheeler? Because to access his property, you need a four-wheeler. And Nice. Yeah. So I'm excited. It's like, man, that's cool. And uh, his name's Travis. And that's all I know. And he's going to send me a check. And... I'm going to get the equipment together and we're going to go do an install here in the next couple of weeks. 
And so I'm very excited about that. I have butterflies about going to the install, but not installing. That part, I know inside out and backwards. It's, it's just like, it's now become such a second nature now. Um, it's kind of going through the motions because I've done it quite a few times now, but there's always that, that when I'm ready to flip the switch, it's like, <gasps> you know, it's like, okay, it's on, okay, you know, like. Because you know the person's waiting there. Like, right oh, they are. To you. Yes. Like, they're like, is this about to work? And yeah. And you kick it on and then you're like, thank God. It yeah. And uh, so there's, there's always that, but that's in everyday life. That's everything. So what so, was the size of your first system, that first one that you did that gave you the butterflies? Right. The size of my first system was a, uh, was a four-panel, uh, four-battery system with a 2,500-watt inverter, uh, pure sine wave inverter. He has since then, uh, which I thought was, a, at the time, a, a, a big system. Uh, he was running, he's running uh, right at uh, 1.2 kilowatts of power. He has since uh, upgraded his battery panel to, or battery bank to uh, eight batteries. He's doubled the size of his battery panel and gone from a 2,500 watt inverter to a 5,000 watt uh, pure sine wave inverter, and with a uh, with a supercapacitor uh, start startup hooked in line, and uh, which helps take the loads of things that have pumps like your refrigerators and your AC units and stuff like that, uh, smaller AC units. And, and, um, you know, even going back for that, he's like, Hey man, you know, and this is one of the guys that he has zero interest in learning how it works. He knows it works, but he also knows that if he needs anything, he just calls me and he's like, here, just send me the bill. It's, it's no big deal. And, um, and of course we go over the numbers. I always disclose up front how much I'm going to charge and, and ask permission if that is okay, if that works within his budget. And, I know that he's going to say yes. I know that. But that doesn't give me the right to just run with his his pocketbook. I, I always give, uh, you know, that, that you know. Uh, courtesy. That, yes, that courtesy uh, up front. And because it is not my money. And, and I want to make sure that they have the best value, the best bang for their buck. And I, and I want them to know that I am providing their professional services needed to, to give them the best quality that I, I know how to give. And I know that he's never going to look at his battery bank. I know he doesn't even probably know how to even turn it off if he needs to. Uh, he has zero interest in that. He just wants to go out to his lodge, turn on the lights, and spend the time out there. That's all he wants to do, yeah. and and that's okay. Um, and like I said, I have other customers who they want to know <laughs> everything about the knowledge, about how this works, why it works, why the program was written written this way instead of that way, and and um, you know, and I do my best to answer their questions, and 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 then we, you know, again, I'm I'm after that job well done. Yeah. And that's what I'm after. So I'll spend as much time as it needs to, to, uh, to make that happen. The guy texting me, he texts me at all hours of the day. There are times where I literally have to put my phone on silent because he, he is a texter. He's got lots of questions. <laughs> he, he's got lots of questions. And, uh, you know, and that's okay, you know, because there are a lot of unknowns in, in solar. There's so many different ways of hooking it up. But the base foundation is, you know, you go from your... Solar panels, charge controller, to your battery bank, to your inverter, to your AC load, and that's it. There's really not many variations of other than that. So, so the four panel, was that the smallest one that you've done? No, the smallest one I've done um, was, there was, uh, there was a guy that wanted uh, power to his barn, uh, which is interesting, it's kind of an oxymoron. Because this guy has a $70,000 equestrian barn in the middle of, you know, 15 acres that he owns, you know, with a house that is probably 7,000 square feet. Again, I know he has the money, but he bought the basic package. The only thing that he wanted was lights to his barn. I'm like, why didn't you put lights out in your barn when you had it built? 
He goes, because we, I wanted to go underground because I didn't want to see a light pole. I didn't want to see lines going across my property. Yeah. So I ran underground lines to the cabin space that we were building cost like almost $3,000. It was ridiculous. Right. Well, he was going, I think he got a quote from the, the uh, line company people, the, the power company. And I think they quoted him something like $23,000 to run it because it had to hook up to his house, go underground, go. He had all of these reasons uh, as to why it was so much. Because I was like, wow. And he goes, no. He goes, I literally just want to have a light on so I can go out there and feed my horses in the morning at 5 o'clock in the morning when it's dark. And I was like, okay, I can do that. But not only can I do that, but I'm going to provide an outlet and a light in each room of your barn. And what do you think about that? And so I offered the upgrade. He's like, yeah, okay, let's do that. And, and it all runs off of... One, it's a one panel, one inverter, one charge controller, one battery system. Because he doesn't need much. He just needs to have some clippers every now and then that run. He goes, will it run clippers? I'm like, yeah, this thing can run actually quite a bit. He has quite a bit of power out there, but the longevity of the battery, because it's only a one battery system, the longevity of that is while he's doing it at not peak hours of sunlight, it will only run for so long off of that one battery. But he's not, he doesn't have any kind of major loads out there. It's just, you know, running a fan if he wants to or running, you know, this light or that. And we set him up pretty good. But it was just a one-panel system. And, um, you know, that's, that's virtually... That's as simple as it gets. That's as simple as it gets. And it, and it, but that's a good starter. And, and what I explain is you can grow from there because it's already, everything's already hardwired in. So now, if you want to add another panel or another battery, the cost isn't, hey, I've got to buy that initial package again. Um, it's, it's like a third of, of the initial cost or a quarter. It's, it's like 25% of the actual cost for me to come back out and add to the panel and the, the system to add another panel, another battery, because everything else is already there. The, the cost of the inverter and the charge controller and the wiring it's not part of the equation anymore. It's just you know, add another panel, add another battery. It's really simple. It's plug and play. It's two wires and it's done. What's the biggest panel setup you've done? Uh, we did uh, we did just the other day. Uh, we did a twelve panel system, and ooh, buddy, that was uh, after a while. Once you install one panel, then it's just repeating that process and making sure all of your wires are hooking up, hooked up correctly. Uh, and then running it down into your charge controllers because there's it, it, there was multiple charge controllers in this situation, uh, which all then run to and in this case he had multiple inverters as well, um, and it, and it all came down to uh, he and she I should say uh, it was a couple uh, they had two separate inverters one one inverter ran this side of the house the other inverter ran the other side of the house and. And the reason why you would split that inverter like that is because if one inverter got overloaded and shut itself off, it wouldn't kill the whole system. So if you're running a major load in the middle of the night and it, and it pops the inverter, which the inverter will reset um, either manually or over time, you know, given, you know, give it a couple of minutes, it will actually reset itself. Um, that you're not fumbling around in the dark or, you know, or going, where's my flashlight? i got to reset the system, you know, because the other inverter is still doing its thing. And uh, so we decided to split the system and, and go, that, go that direction. And uh, that was a 12-panel system. And, um, yeah, I mean, that, that had, he has more power now than he probably will use, but he wanted to make sure to have that, uh, that security in place to, he, he, I don't know, he just didn't want to upgrade later. It was like, okay, that's fine. You one know, and done. Yeah, one and done and, and be done with it. And, uh, and again, that's another option. You know, we can do, we can go with growing system or we can go with, with a really massive system. And, um, you know, he has a lot of, a lot of power available. They have a lot of power available now. And, um, you know, the, the most common package I sell are one and two panel systems. And with the option to grow at a future future date, and and I do push that a little bit um, for people who are you know budget wise, 
uh, and budget friendly, you know, need a budget friendly install. Uh, I do push the fact that it can grow. It's not like, you know, once you invest in this, that's it. And then you got to reinvest that same amount of money. No, it's once you have the basics and once you have everything all hardwired in, it is so simple to come back and just make it grow at a later date. Uh, if need be, you know, you get your taxes back, you get a little bit of extra money. Hey, you know, I got 500 bucks. I want to, what can I do with it? You know, and then we put together a plan and make that happen. You know, uh, it's, it's become so simple now. And there's a lot of companies that don't push that. They want to do these massive multi-thousand, tens of thousands of dollars. I, I think I ran into a customer the other day. I, it's funny. I ran into a customer the other day. He has a grid tied system. He has 40 $2,000 worth of panels on his roof. They're, they're, it's just everywhere. And he calls me and he's like, yeah, I need, I need more, but I want your services. I'm like, okay, why? Tell me why. He goes, we had line interruption the other day and I didn't know this, but whenever the power goes off, my system shuts itself off. I'm like, well, yeah, you didn't get explained as that's a grid-tied system. He goes, no. I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I don't like that. He goes, I need you to fix it. And so we put together a plan, put together a budget, and he's like, yeah, I don't want to be grid-tied anymore. That's dumb. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know if it's dumb, but, I mean, it's certainly for what you're, the application that you're trying to, to you know, use. <laughs> Without batteries, you, <laughs> you can't do anything. He goes, yeah, I don't like that at all. So fix it. I'm like, okay. Take right hand. You know, so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a growing technology. I, I urge people to at least try and, you know, understand the basics. Um, you know, and if they have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me on Facebook, social media, you know, on my website, uh, www.thatoffgridguy.com and, and ask. I, I will answer any question you have. Uh, and if I don't know the answer, I'll find out. So, or we'll work together and find out. So... Yeah, that's it. That's... Well, thanks for having having come out again. No, man, thanks for having me. I know uh, I'm a little tired today. Oh, dude, me too. I'm like trying not to die on a Benadryl over here. I felt bad like <laughs> yawning a couple times. Like I'm not yawning at what you're talking about. I'm yawning because I'm like trying to fight the urge to go to sleep. Just go to pass out. I can't. I can't even take uh, children's Benadryl. Man, I take children's really? Benadryl. Man, I even see the bottle and I start getting sleepy. I'm like, oh man, I'm such a lightweight when it comes to Benadryl. So, I only do it when I feel, like, really horrible. So yeah. it's like, I'll take, like, one. I don't even know what the recommended dosage is. I just oh, take I, one, and then I just fight sleep as long as I can until it eventually just consumes me. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, ha I've certainly had some uh, Benadryl-induced comas before. It is, it is some powerful stuff, man, but it works. It'll... Dude, there's times I won't wake up the next morning for work. I'll sleep in, like, two or three hours late, and just, <laughs> Benadryl gets me, dude. It's yeah, it'll, it'll definitely grab you. So, well, thanks for having me, and I, and I certainly, you know, uh, I, I, I enjoy talking solar, I enjoy just talking and getting to know you more, and, yeah. and uh, you know, I certainly enjoy coming out here and trying to spread my knowledge that I know, uh, because I, I really feel that, you know, hoarding knowledge doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. You know, you got to share it. Get it out there. It doesn't matter if, you know, if you don't make a, a billion dollars because of, you know, you you have this certain type of knowledge. I mean, if you don't share it and you don't get it out there, nobody else learns, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't uh, improve anyone's lifestyle by hoarding knowledge. You got to get it out there and just share it. And the right. money, the, the money and the passion and the, the income, you know, it'll come, uh, just be professional and know, know your field. So, yeah, that's maybe cheesy, but that's, that's what I think. Man, just so, keep doing it. I feel like, the like the happiness and the influence is like the best return on the investment honestly. Right. Yeah, that's it. I mean the 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 experiences some of the things that I have now seen that are so close to me uh you know from where where we live I the things that I didn't even know were there those are invaluable. You can't take those away from me, you know, and it's and it's just it's like that's that's where the true happiness comes from. That's where it's like yeah, I mean, sure, I get paid to be a professional in my field, but, you know, some of the views that I've seen from the mountaintops that I've seen them in, 
some of the you know the stars like I got to see the Milky Way the other night. Uh, not that I don't can't see it from my place, but from where this uh, this this guy's place was at, and I was it was pitch black. There was nothing. There was no city lights. There was no noise. There was no noise pollution. There was nothing. And he had just this open canopy of space for for acres and acres, tens and you know hundreds of acres or whatever. I I, I don't even really know how big of his spread was. I think he had a 30 acre, 30 acres parcel and it was all open and he was on this top of this mountain. You could see for miles and there was, there was not a cloud in the sky. You could see every star and it was just like, man, dude, that's a view. Like that's, that's worth something right there. And, uh, he goes, yeah, I know. He goes, I get to share it. And he goes, you know, and that's the guy that, that nobody gets invited out to his property. And, and, uh, I just had to commend him and say, man, you, you have done very well for you and your family. And don't let anybody tell you different because you can't see this in town. There's, there's not a lot of times where, you know, people can take their family, walk outside, throw a blanket on the ground, and just look up at the stars and not be interrupted by... And mm, see the whole galaxy. And see the whole galaxy. And see the little stars that you can't see when there's light. You know, and see the Milky Way because you can't see that sometimes. And I, was, I looked up, I'm like, there's the Milky Way. He goes, oh yeah, there it is. I'm like, oh man, dude, this is gorgeous. Like, this is one of the best views I've been able to see in a long time. He goes, yeah, we have, uh, we have a lot of nights out here. Like, you have done amazingly well for yourself. And um, you're not going to get that in a 7,000 square foot home. You're just not. And, you know, I mean, anywho, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. I, I really greatly appreciate it. Yeah, we'll keep doing it. I like picking your brain. Hey, well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep telling you what I know. So yeah, Just let me know whenever you're available again, and hopefully next time I won't be sick, we can go roll again. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I would like that. I would like that very much. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, thanks.